Mark chapter 4, verse 8. Jesus says, some seed fell on good soil. Now, how many good soil do we have this morning? All right. Well, let me ask again because some people are not too sure. How many good soil do we have here this morning? That's good, right? Good soil. You're ready for the good word, right? And now, when seed fell on good soil, where it sprouted, grew up, and produced a crop, one bearing 30-fold, another 60-fold, and another 100-fold. And you can remember that this is the parable that Jesus gave pertaining to different soil. And talks about the soil in the highway, the, the hard ground, and, 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 and the one full of thorns, and then finally this good soil. Now go to 13, Matthew 13, verse 24. Not only do you need good soil... When your soil is good, you need to be paying attention to this. Jesus presented another parable to them. You got it? Verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Everybody say good seed. In his field. But while everyone asleep, his enemy, there will be the sower's enemy, there will be God's enemy, came and sowed weeds among the wheat and slipped away. So not only do we need to have good soil, we need to make sure that the seeds are not weeds or bad seeds. Do you remember two weeks ago um, when I was here, was sharing with you about the peril of a hardened heart. Remember that? Okay, three people remember that. I'm so excited, okay? I need you to talk, but respond. Just let me know you're around, okay? So, so we're talking about the peril of the hardened heart. And we say that we need to be careful, that we need to make sure our heart is always tender, and that through the tender heart, God can sow great seed of His Word and great revelation to bring life, to bring new ideas and consequently bring great fruits. Remember that? Now, when you have great, great soil, you can expect great harvest in your life. Whatever the seed of God is being sown, you're going to see a great return of the seed that is being sown. This week, I want to caution us about being absolutely, listen, selective. Everybody say selective. Absolutely selective of the type of seeds we allow to be sown in our tender heart. It is good to have a tender heart. But when your heart is tender, guess who else can sow seeds? The devil. He can also sow seed in those tender heart. And especially those young people who so many of them are so impressionable, unfortunately, their hearts have been exposed to seeds, wrong seeds, weeds and gunk and garbage. And so the seeds have been sown in their hearts. But we have to be absolutely selective on the type of seeds we allow to be sown in our lives. You see, in the name of objectivity, many of us have allowed our hearts to be exposed to the seeds that actually tear apart our faith, bring confusions to our spirit, and consequently bring chaos into our spirit. You know, 
The devil doesn't need to do a lot of work to knock out faith, to cause confusion in our hearts. He doesn't have to absolutely prove that God is real or God is not real. He, they don't, the devil doesn't have to absolutely prove that what he said is true. All the lies that he perpetuates in all the narratives that we find in most of the media, most of the show in our society, they don't have to prove whatever they believe is true. All they need to do is sow a little bit seeds of confusion. Sow a little bit seed of doubt. In fact, if you think about it, most of the alternative theories to the Bible are theories that could not answer all the questions. I don't care what you believe. You could believe that there's no God. You could believe that there's, there's you know, you come out of, you, you, came from, you came from an amoeba, you came from a, an ape, you came from a monkey. I don't care what you believe. Whatever you choose to believe, the theory that you believe will not be able to answer all the questions you have. Even Stephen Hawkins, Oh, he's so famous. Oh, they elevated him to be like God. He's like the prophets of atheism, prophets, oracle of the, of the, of the, of the current generations, of, of the modern belief system. He himself could not answer why he existed. If you read the newspaper these days that has been written about him, he himself has so many questions. Whatever theory you believe in, People can just sow a little bit of doubt and you get confused. And, and you know, the devil, he was able to cause doubt in Christian hearts very easily. How? Again, is to sow doubts. The devil doesn't have incredible proofs that God is not real, God is not there, and the Bible is not. He, he doesn't have any proof. He can never prove to you what he's proposing. What he can do is do the easy thing, is to sow doubts. And that's why they say it's it takes an engineer to build a barn. It will only take a, a donkey to knock it down. It's easy. All he needs to do and all, the, all, and all the devil has been doing and all his core has been trying to do to destroy our faith is to cause doubts by asking questions that no, nobody can answer, including themselves. Now, you know, if you apply the same trick they use on us, we too can cause lots of doubts in whatever theory they subscribe to. Like I said, you could be, you could be an atheist. I can cause some doubts by sowing some seeds. You know, a lot of people are quite confused today. They're confused with ideas and theories, and they cannot be committed to anything. Have you noticed that a lot of young people, in fact, a lot of people these days cannot commit to anything? They can't seem to commit to anything in terms of faith, in terms of in direction of life. Do you know why they cannot commit to anything? Do you know why people always sit on the fences? It's because no theories, no philosophies, no ideas can ever, ever answer all the questions about life or universe. We have a very confused generation. Very confused because everyone is encouraged to question everything and allow conflicting thoughts and ideas to flood our spirit. You know, the Bible teaches that God is not the author of confusion. On the other hand, the Bible also teaches that the devil is the author of confusions. How does he cause confusion? Again, just sow doubts. 
And if you allow your tender heart to be exposed to those doubts, and soon enough you will see that those doubts is going to come and haunt you and it's going to eat you alive. And you can see that this is a technique that he's been using since the beginning. You know, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, in fact, let's go to it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the first struggle of mankind, according to the word of God. And how did the devil bring about the struggle? Same way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. My son is doing the projection, so you need to be patient with him. He's, he's learning. He's a good boy. The word of God says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast on the field that the Lord had made. And by the way, the Lord made that serpent, serpent too, okay? And he said to the woman, did God actually say, here it is, cause confusion. So you've been told with certain things of the word of God. You've been believing in a certain things. You were told, you know, you read the word of God yourself. And then the devil goes, did God really say that? And that's the thing with, with, uh, with, uh, with a lot of uh, Christians these days, that they allow themselves to be exposed to people challenging even the validity of the word of God. If you cannot believe any longer the Word of God as the Word of God, your faith will be shaken. And so there's a lot of efforts these days that cause us to believe that the Bible is no good. The Bible was corrupted. The Bible is written by all those corrupted people. It's, it's written by those Catholics trying to coerce and, and try, to, try to control our lives. These are all the lies. If the devil can cause you to doubt the Word of God, then he will shake your faith. Now let's move on. Verse 2. And the woman said to the sermon, he said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, verse 3. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit. So she remember, right? You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. You will not surely die. Here, here it is. Try to contradict the word of God, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of, the, uh, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, the same trick he's doing today is that he will contradict the word of God to cause doubt. You know, we human beings, especially those with a tender heart, when, when words are being spoken, it actually affects us. Why? Because it's a seed sown in that tender heart. And if you allow the seeds to germinate, it will destroy our faith. No, he did the same thing to Jesus. If you recall, you know, Jesus was being baptized in Luke chapter 3. You remember that? Jesus was being baptized in Luke chapter 3. What happened after Jesus was being baptized? Uh, when he was at the age of 30, he was being baptized. He came up, the word of God says, you know, Jesus came up from baptism and he was, he was praying and heaven opened. And in fact, John the Beloved even attests to that, the fact that heaven did open and they did hear that there was a voice of God came from heaven and said this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the word of God affirming and confirming to Jesus as an incarnated son of God, as a man, that he is the son of God. God confirming to him. And many of us, you know, you've been born again, and the word of God tells you that you are a child of God. You are son and daughter of God. And guess what the devil would do? The Bible tells us that Jesus, later on in chapter 4, uh, verse 3 to 9, the devil started to tempt Jesus. How did he tempt Jesus? Same way. He started to question. 
question what God said about Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, you can turn this stone into bread. And later on, he took Jesus to the top of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, as though he could challenge Jesus to doubt who he was. But press God, Jesus knew who he was and you should know who you are. Do not allow the devil to ever challenge your validity or your legitimacy as a child of God. And he's going to come and say, you're just full of illusion. You're just full of yourself. You're not a son of God. Look at what you do and look at what you've done. Look at the things and mistakes you made. Don't believe him. Believe the word of God because God says that you are his child. You are the sons and daughters of God. Take that and believe that. And so the devil always does that. He always causes confusion in our lives. You know, when we were on uh, vacation in Mexico, you know, we, well, one of the things that you do is watch TV, right? Well, only me, I guess. <laughs> so me and my daughter and my wife were watching a documentary on Fox News about Billy Graham. It was a great documentary. It was produced by the Billy Graham Association. So it was a good documentary. And uh, Matthew, I don't know, maybe he was playing games on his phone or whatever, as usual. But anyway, so the three of us, we were sitting there watching this documentary. And I was, I was, I was trying to hold my tears because my, my family there, it's just embarrassing, right? So I was trying to hold my tears because I just sensed such a presence of God while I was watching that documentary. And this is what happened. You know, Billy Graham, when he first started in the 40s, he was very, very powerful. He was one of those uh, most celebrated evangelists for the youth for Christ. And so he was, he was going everywhere. And then he had a good friend. The documentary didn't say it, but it's just a background story for you for what I wanted to say. One of his best friends was as powerful as he was. In fact, this best friend of his was able to preach to audience of over 30,000 people at one time. He was born and raised in Toronto. This press friend. His name is, some of you know who he is, Mr. Templeton, Charles Templeton. And uh, they both were powerful evangelists, but they both of them came to a crisis in their faith. And Billy Graham says that he could no longer preach because he was starting to doubt the legitimacy of the Bible. And so was his friend. They had the crisis of faith to begin to question the legitimacy of the Bible. So, so they both went on this journey and together, and they both were amazing, powerful evangelists. And one, Charles Templeton, some of you who are uh, avid read of the Toronto Star, uh, you will know who he is. He used to be one of the columnists in, in, uh, in, in, in Toronto Star. He went one way. A way of denouncing God. He became the most outspoken, agnostic, and anti-Christian faith individual in this city. And he wrote a book called Farewell to God. And um, he had a faith crisis, and he surrounded himself with so-called liberal educator. Billy Graham, on the other hand, he had the same crisis. You know what he did? He said he went back to his father's farm, and one evening, he was, he was just toiling and struggling and struggling. He said that evening was a pivotal point for his life. That evening was what made Billy Graham, Billy Graham we know of today. You know what happened? Heaven didn't open, thunder didn't break out, God didn't come down from heaven to, give, to answer all his questions. 
But this is what happened. They make Billy Graham, Billy Graham. He opened up his Bible. I believe it was on a stone. He knelt and he looked up to the sky. He remembered it was a bright sky. It was, it was a clear sky, no cloud, all the stars. And he looked up to heaven. <clears throat> this is what he said. God, I don't have all the answer to the questions I have. I have doubt about the legitimacy of your word because of the many things that have been spoken to me. The legitimacy of your word, the legitimacy of you. But today, at this very moment, I am making a decision. Remember that statement. I am making a decision. Everybody say decision. decision. He's I'm making a decision to believe that your word is true, to believe that you are true. And I, I have all the questions that I can't answer, but I'm making a decision today. That all that you said, and all that you said is true. All that you said in the Bible is true. Billy Graham said from that moment onwards, he began to walk by faith. And guess what faith did? Faith changed lives of millions, including presidents. I'm talking about president, plural, who would consult with him. Every war, and if you're around that age, my age, you know that every single war that happened involved, had, 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 that the United States had ever got involved in, before they get involved in, after World War II, they would consult first with Billy Graham. And if you were paying attention to the news uh, around the 80s and, and 90s, you know that all president, every time when there's a rumor of war and you see Billy Graham's uh, 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 car pull out, you know that something's going to happen. Here it is, two men facing crisis in their faith. One chose to allow the seeds of doubts and confusion to tore his faith apart. And I read a commentary about Charles Templeton. And the commentary said that this man, as he got older, he got more miserable because really there was nothing for him to hope for after this life. And Billy Graham, all the way to almost 100 years old, full of hope, full of inspiration, and inspired and raised many awesome men of God. Many, many great preachers will tell you that they were inspired by Billy Graham. What happened? One, allow the seeds of doubts and confusion to be sown into their lives and cause chaos and confusion to the point that he denounced God altogether. Another one, humble himself and make a decision that his garden of his heart will not allow the seeds of doubts to tear his faith apart. Now, I got another 15 minutes ago. I'm going to share with you how do we guard the garden of our tender heart? How do you guard the garden of your tender heart? Number one, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Turn to it. The Word of God says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or in another version, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. 
You know, I always say this. You can't stop a seagull or a pigeon to poo, to poop on things. You can't stop a pigeon to poop on your car, can you? You can't stop a pigeon from pooping on your head. If they want, they will. But you know what you can do? You can try to avoid them. You know, if you're in a downtown city area, you'll know that there's some areas that you do not park your car there. How do you know? You look at the ground. There's a lot of pigeon poops there. Wise people will say to themselves, I will not park here. Lest when I come up, I'm going to have to go to a car wash again. But if people are not aware of it, they will just park there and just, just move on. And they come out, they got a bunch of surprises and presents. So you can't stop the devil from sowing bad seeds. He's going to spread his best seeds everywhere. But the wise person will not allow their heart to be exposed to those seeds of doubts and confusion. Why would you allow seeds of doubts and confusion to come into your heart? Now, I know it sounds like a contradiction of what I say two weeks ago, two weeks ago when I said that we should not have a hardened heart because, you know, hardened hearts cause us not to progress. We have to have a tender heart. In other words, always on the learning, always on the receiving, always want to learn more, always not accepting the status quo. But you should never, never, never allow the seed that will tear your faith apart, the conviction of the Word of God and the conviction of righteousness. Never allow that. That's where your limits are. But everything else, doctrine of man, teaching of man, yes, you can question, but the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you guard it. You guard it like royalty. You guard it with everything that you have. You guard it with all the ability and power you have so that the devil has zero opportunity to sow any seed of doubt and confusion in your life. Come on, let's praise the Lord. See, that's a problem with a lot of young people today. They haven't got a choice. They go to school. You know, they come to church and they hear word of faith and they, they have seed of faith become strong. And then they go to school. What do they get exposed to? Cynicism, doubt, confusion, and all kinds of stupid theories that they hear on the outside. Parents, I want to encourage you. If you can, when the kids come home, just shower them with the Word of God. Just, shower, just tell them about the Word of God. If you don't, haven't sent your children to, you know, your children's not in Christian school, whatever, when they come back, the more you want to shower them with the Word of God, teach them of the Word of God. They will have questions. Answer their question. Don't just say, just believe. Answer the question. Have a dialogue with them. Talk with them. And don't give them stupid answers because you'll come back and haunt you. You may have to fool them when they're 10 years old. But when they get to 21, you have lost your credibility. So do your research. If you don't know, I can help you. Come and ask me questions. I'll help you. I'll provide you the answer. You know, every time when I answer my kids' question, I always thought about the fact that they will be grown up. And that I want to have the credibility when they grow up. When they have all kinds of theories bombarding them in university, I want them to have an answer, the right answer, the good answer. Your parents got to do the same thing because the devil will keep sowing seeds of confusion and doubt. It is our job to protect them. You parents, don't get yourself exposed to teaching that will contradict your faith, will cause you to be in confusion, will cause you to be in doubt. You know, for some of us believe in healing. If you believe in healing, don't hang out with people or even listen to preachers that preach against healing. My goodness. Stop it. Don't go, oh, I want to be objective. You ruin your faith. You cause confusion in your faith. 
I've spoken to many Christians, you know, going around, uh, you know, doing seminars. And even in this church, we have healing seminars. And many, many Christians from other churches will visit. And they love the teaching of healing. And they say, oh, we just love your teaching. We wish our church would believe that. And I will ask them, why are you going to those church? Oh, they say, oh, because we have friends there. Well, that's fine. But I'll tell you this. You can never have a good, strong faith in believing for healing if you allow the heart, the garden of your heart, have seeds sown, have doubt, seeds of doubt being sown in it. There are preachers adamantly insist that God had ceased to heal people. They call the cessationists. And there's a revival among those guys. They call them reformers. Reformation revival. And they will mock the Holy Spirit. They will call the Holy Spirit fire strange fire. I don't know if you heard preachers talk about strange fire. You know, strange fire is actually coming from the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, when, when a, f- a few of the people in the Jewish camp, when they were in Exodus, and they, they, were, they were playing with the demonic fire, the strange fire, and God actually cursed them and killed them. And so this preacher is using that as an illustration that those Pentecostal, they're going to be destroyed by God because they're playing with strange demonic fire. They call Pentecostal demonic fire. If you're going to a church like that and you're listening on the internet and you want to believe in God by faith, how do you think your faith is going to grow for you to believe in the supernatural? Never! Your heart, the garden of your heart will be so crowded with doubt and confusion. And eventually you'll give up God altogether. If our faith is just based on words and no miracles, the faith is very shaky because there are always going to be people who have better words. I heard a preacher said this. His children are going to university. But he said that growing up as a child, my children had seen all kinds of miracles in our home because he was a youth pastor when he was younger. And then he always have young people come to his home. And sometimes they have all those demon-possessed young people all drugged up and all in whatever. They'll come to his home. And what they do, they, they, they actually they would, would pray for deliverance. So he said, my children have seen deliverance after deliverance, miracles after miracles. And he said, I know that when they go to university, whatever theory that they propose, my children will be handled because they have experienced the miracle of God They've seen the miracle of God. So miracles is what will be sure to anchor our faith. If you've been healed by the power of God, doesn't matter what the devil theory, the theory, however eloquent is of a theory is being proposed to you, it won't shake your faith. I, the, the devil won't shake my, you know, when I was in university, I was exposed to all kinds of evolutionary theory. In fact, when I was in grade 11 high school, my teacher was mocking our Christian faith. He called himself a Catholic. And he was mocking. I was, I, 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 I was like, my goodness. And I was so offended. But I remember the days I was healed. Uh, many times. That God healed me. That kept my faith. Then when I was in university, same thing. Everywhere you go, people talking about evolution as though it's the truth. And yet... I could stand on my faith because of the experience of miracles and signs and wonders. But if you allow other seeds to be sown, then you'll be confused. Number two, Mark 8, verse 15, if you can go there. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
Very, very short and simple point for this one. Even small ideas will corrupt your faith. Let me say it again. Even small hints will corrupt your faith. You and I should be aware that not in the name of objectivity, many of us have been tempted, challenged, even shamed to want to listen to other ideas. It is good to be objective. I understand that. But don't allow those theories to go from here to here. Always fill your heart with the Word of God because a yeast is a small thing. You know how small yeast is? It's puny. You can't even see it. Affect the whole lump. You can have strong faith, but just a small little thought of doubt. All the devil had to tell Eve was, God didn't say it. You sure he did it? You sure he said it? That's all he had to do. And there goes the fall of entire humanity. Number three, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, but they're going to have ESV on the screen. But both of them are good. Well, let's read the screen first. Now read the Amplify. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We destroy every argument. Has it been arguments and lofty opinion raised that shake your faith? You go ahead and destroy it. Not the people. But the ideas, shut it down. Take every thought captive, every ideas, every thought that come to you, that come against God, you just say, enough. I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not allowed it to germinate because it goes nowhere. You know it. You've tried it before. I've tried to entertain some of those thoughts. You know, I know I have a faith crisis at one point because when I was in university, I, you know, being that I knew I was going to be a pastor one day, you know, although I always had a degree in economics and computer science and I was in, you know, uh, you know I, was, I was also taking biology and chemistry and, you know, how those classes, they, they challenged my faith. And, um, and, uh, and worse yet, I went to this religious course. I took some, some, uh, some, some theological course at the University of Toronto and it confused me. The more they talked, the more I got confused, the less I believe. And they began to question this, question that. And at the end of the course, I tell you, I was very confused. Well, I didn't understand that concept. I allow lofty opinion raised against the Word of God, the integrity of the Word of God. I allowed it to linger on in my spirit. I allow those thoughts to linger on. The thoughts that disobey God linger on. Don't allow that. Shower yourself with the Word of God all the time. Make sure your heart is always exposed to the Word of God, the truth of God. Amplify says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. It is a very intentional decision and therefore action that we come against 
every ideas. You know, you, you're going to have ideas being said to you. But don't allow those ideas to ever come into your heart. Let them stay in the mind and kick them out after that. Fill your mind with the Word of God. The fourth one, Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9, is a very interesting parable. And I'm going to conclude after this. It's a parable of the barren fig tree. In verse 6 of chapter 13, it says, He told this parable, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the, the vine dresser, Look, for three years, now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. A lot of people say it was God. Jesus was actually talking about the people of Israel. He, when he was speaking about this, he was, he was already at the end of his three years ministry, entering into the, uh, entering into the uh, uh, phase where he was going to be persecuted and crucified. So he had been ministering for three years. And he said, I, you know, he said I, I've been ministering to these people for three years. I don't see any fruits. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up real estate space? That's my translation. And the servant answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put a manure. And then if I should, it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, then we, you can cut it down. This is a very interesting parable. You know, when a tree is not producing fruits, it's because of its environment that it's in. And this, this servant of his is talking about digging around the trees. They say, well, is it hard ground? That's why it's no fruit. Well, if it's hard ground, the tree wouldn't have grown in the first place. Are you here this morning? The reason it's digging around is because all kinds of stuff is growing and sucking up nutrients around the tree. Is it any thoughts, any ideas that are sucking life out of your life? Sucking the nutrients. Every time when the Word of God comes in, it just sucks up the nutrients. You say, how do I know it exists? Well, you know it because there's no fruits in your life. There is no, nothing to show for. And if you find yourself that way, it's time to look around the environment you're in. You may have a tree, but there's no fruits on it. So what do you do? You dig around it. See if there's anything that is sharing the real estate space. You know, I'll tell you this. If you're in real estate business, they say location is loca location, 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 right? That's key. Why? Because it's, when it's a prime real estate space, you know, it's very precious. It's very expensive. Do you know that your heart is the most prime real estate space for you? You ought to be so careful not to easily trade it, share it with anything else except the Word of God. They will make you strong. They will cause you to be truly child of God, to walk in the supernatural, to succeed in life, to fulfill your destiny. Anything less than that, you ought to be able to pluck them out, dig them out, and throw them away. Don't allow them to share real estate space in your heart because God wants to have all the real estate space so that you can be very fruitful and you can multiply. The Bible says good seed brings harvest, brings result, brings eternal results. Bad seed doesn't. At best, it just suck up nutrients 
and you have no fruits, at worst, it'll destroy your tree. Back to Matthew chapter 13. Remember the, the parable. Parable about the sower sow seeds on good ground. And after that, the enemy came and sowed bad seed. I want to tell you about the grace of God. So the servant said in verse 29, actually in verse 28, chapter 13. Well, he said to, to them, the servant, an enemy has done has, has, has so bad seed. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? In other words, pluck those bad seed out. This is what he said, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles and be burned, but gather the wheat into the barn. Watch this. So you have allowed all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of doubting theories, conflicting theories that are just cause a confusion in your faith and you're confused and you, you, you don't know sometimes you don't even know if you want to believe this morning you're sitting here I believe for a reason because God wants you to know that he's a God of grace if you let him during harvest time there's always season of harvest he will remove in you what that does not belong to him. But you got to let him remove it. You got to let him remove it. A lot of us hanging on to the old seed, hanging on to the old weeds, those weeds, sorry, not weeds, weeds, those weeds, just hanging on to them. The traditions of man, the ideas of man, the philosophy of man, you know, over the history of the church, there has been many what we call revisionist theologian. Do you know what they do? Because they couldn't explain the Bible, they made a revision themselves and tell people that the Bible is not written this way. The Word of God should be written this way. That's why we have a lot of cults. They, they try to revise. They try to revise their, you know, they're they, they, they mixing their faith with other theories. Don't do that. Say, Father, if there's anything in me that is producing weed or anything in me that has taken nutrients from me, nutrients of faith from me, if there's anything that had caused confusion in my life, I ask you right now to remove them out of my heart. If you found yourself not able to believe 100%, if you found yourself sometimes doubting, and that you've made a decision that what you believe is going to be a good philosophy for you, and that you come because, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of the good things to do, and that you also believe in Buddha, believe in New Age, believe in Muslim, believe in like a Unitarian guys, you know, believe everything. 
believe what Oprah believes. All things lead to heaven. Oprah is amazing, but anyway, so, but his theology, her theology is completely, you know. If you find yourself that, ask the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, would you unplug all the doubts in my heart? Would you unplug all the confusions that have been sown in my spirit? I promise I will guard my heart. Guard my heart with your word and not allow my heart to be exposed to confusion, to seeds that are being sown by your enemy. Let my heart and my faith always be pure and that I will fill my heart with your words, with your promises. Holy Spirit, come this morning.